Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with striving to attain and maintain as we pick up in 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 35. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. It so happened that we were having a baptismal coming up at Corona Del Mar. And there were about a thousand kids to be baptized. And I thought to myself, I ought to call the religion editor of Time Magazine and tell him that other things are happening in the beaches of California than just a few kids swimming in the nude. That's some exciting things. You got 20 kids swimming in the nude, but you got a thousand kids who are being baptized, committing their lives to Jesus Christ. And if 20 kids swimming in the nude uh, were worthy the article in time and, and all space and time, surely a thousand kids being baptized ought to be worthy a little article in Time magazine. Also, sort of as a contrast, you know, kind of an article. And as I was driving home, I was thinking about. Well, I just need to call the religion editor of Time Magazine and let him know what's going on. Because he could maybe send a reporter out and, and cover the story, and it would just make good good story for Time. And as I was thinking this, driving home, the Lord spoke to my heart. And he said, who has been your publicity agent up till now? <laughs> and I said, well... You have, Lord. And he said, aren't you satisfied with the job that I'm doing? <laughs> you've been in Look Magazine. You've been in Reader's Digest. You've been on CBS and NBC. Aren't you satisfied with the job I'm doing? I said, oh, Lord, forgive me. How stupid of me uh, of, of thinking to, you know, call somebody to try to get some, you know, publicity to what is happening here. And I just repented and asked the Lord to forgive me for even thinking of trying to publicize what God was doing. I got home, and there was a stranger in my living room, which wasn't unusual in those days. (laughs) And so my wife said, honey, this fellow is a reporter from Time magazine. And he's been sent out here to do a story on the Jesus people. And so the fellow introduced himself, shook hands. He said, do you have anything like a baptism or something coming up that you know that we could? (laughs) I said, oh, Lord. You know, you're just always a step or two ahead. You don't have to get out and hype something. You don't have to get out and promote. and You don't have to get out and spend a lot of God's dollars in advertising. God is able to do his work. And how good it is for us to rest in God. Now, when a person strives to attain a goal, and you achieve and attain your goal by great strivings, Big hypes, publicities, and all of this kind of stuff. 
When you strive to attain, then you must strive to maintain. You know, you got this big ball rolling, but now you got to keep pushing to get the, keep the thing rolling, you know. And it's a constant striving, constant effort, and, and the ministers are just dropping off with heart attacks and everything else because so much push, so much pressure. But when you don't strive to attain, then you don't have to strive to maintain. You can just kick back. Go to Hawaii once in a while. <laughs> God's going to keep the thing, you know, if he wants to. And if he doesn't, then all of our efforts isn't going to keep it anyhow. The work of the Lord, the purposes of God, he is fully able to accomplish. And David had this as a deep consciousness. God is able to accomplish his purposes. I don't have to get in and push. I don't have to get in and strive. God's able to do it. And he was using real wisdom, just letting the things fall as God directed, rather than getting in and striving. And, and thus, we can learn much from David's example in these things. So everything that David did was, was pleasing the king. He was behaving himself properly. And all of the people throughout all of Israel understood that it wasn't David's desire to destroy Abner. And the king said to his servants, and these are beautiful words, Know ye not that there is a prince and a great man fallen this day in Israel? And I am this day weak, though, I, though I'm the king. And these men, the sons of Uriah, they're too much for me. May the Lord reward the doer of evil according to his wickedness. And, and so Joab and his brother Abishai, David said, they're just too much for me. May God take care of him. Well, David took care of him later. We'll get to that as we move on in Samuel. But David got it. He got Joab ultimately. Now when Saul's son heard that Abner was dead in Hebron. He be, his hands were feeble, and all of Israel was troubled. And Saul's son had two men that were the captains of his bands, and these two men came into the palace as though they were going to get some wheat, and then they jumped on him while he was taking his afternoon nap, and they uh, smote him under the fifth rib, a a common phrase that means they ran him through the heart. And they escaped. They cut off his head and escaped. And they came running to David with the head of Ishbosheth. And so they said to David, Behold, here is the head of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, your enemy, which sought your life. And the Lord has avenged my lord the king this day of Saul and of his seed. And David answered these two generals, Recheb and Benah, his brother, and said to them, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my soul out of all adversity, when a young man told me that Saul was dead, thinking that he was bringing good tidings, I took hold of him and slew him there at Ziglag, when he thought that I was going to give him a reward for those tidings. 
how much more when wicked men have slain a righteous person in his own house upon his bed, shall I not therefore now require his blood of your hand and take you away from the earth? And so David commanded his young men, and they slew them, cut off their hands and their feet, and hanged them over the pool in Hebron. But they took the head of Ishbosheth and they buried it there in the grave of Abner there in Hebron. So uh, David again showed that he was not trying to promote himself and punish these men who did this dastardly deed uh, to Ishbosheth. Then all of the tribes came to David there in Hebron. And they said, Behold, we are of your bone, we're of your flesh. In times past, when Saul was king, you were the one that led us out to victories over our enemies. And you, the Lord said to you, that you are to feed my people Israel, and thou shalt be a captain over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king in Hebron, and King David made a league with them in Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. And David was 30 years old when he began to reign. He reigned for 40 years, seven of those years in Hebron, and 33 years there in Judah or Jerusalem over all of Israel. Now, notice that David was called to feed God's people and to uh, be captain over them. God's people always need feeding. Jesus said to Peter, Lovest thou me? Feed my sheep. Peter later wrote, Feed the flock of God that is among you. In Jeremiah, God said, I will give them shepherds who will feed them with the knowledge of God. God's people, the greatest need is that of feeding. David was a true shepherd called to feed God's people. So David and his men came to Jerusalem where the Jebusites were still there in a stronghold. Now the Jebusites figured that their city was impregnable. The Israelites had never been able to take Jebus. It was the ancient site of Jerusalem, but it was a walled city it had excellent defenses, and uh, no one had been able to take this city of Jebus. And when David came, they said to him, unless you can defeat our blind and our lame, you're not going to be able to take our city. In other words, they were saying to David, hey, <laughs> we're just going to put the blind and the lame men to fight you. You're not even able to overcome them. They felt that they're... they're their defenses, the walls and all, were that strong that they could actually man them with just blind and lame men. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, and the same became the city of David. David said on that day, Whosoever getteth up to the gutter and smites the Jebusites and the lame and the blind that are hated of David's soul, he shall be the chief and captain Wherefore, they said, the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. So David dwelt in the fort, and he called it the city of David. And David built round about from Milo and inward. Milo and inward. And David went on, and he grew great. And the Lord God of hosts was with him. And Hiram, the king of Tyre, 
sent down cedars and carpenters and masons and all, and they built a palace for David. And David took more wives and concubines out of Jerusalem when he was come from Hebron. And he had many more sons and daughters and a list of some 11 more sons and daughters that were born to him there in Jerusalem. Now when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David the king over Israel, all of the Philistines came to seek David, and David heard of it, and he went down to the fortress. And the Philistines came and spread themselves in the valley of Riphim. And David inquired of the Lord. Now again, David seeking counsel of God. And he said, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines in your hand. So David came to Baal-perizim, and David smote them there. And he said, The Lord hath broken forth upon my enemies before me as a breach of waters. Therefore he called the name of the place Baal-perizim, which means the plain of breaches. And the Philistines left their images there, and David burned them with his men. And the Philistines came up the second time into the same valley. And David inquired of the Lord again. And the Lord said, Thou shalt not go up, but circle around behind them and come in and attack them from the rear. But wait over there until you hear the sound of the wind in the mulberry trees, and then's the time to attack. So David is receiving directions from God, inquiring of the Lord, and God is directing him, and thus he is very successful, as is any man who will seek guidance from God. And so David did so, and they smote the Philistines from Geba even to Gezer. And again David gathered together the chosen men of Israel, 30,000 of them, and David arose and went, and all of the people that were with him from Baal of Judah to bring from there the ark of God. Now, Baal of Judah is actually Kirjath-Jerim. It's about uh, eight miles from Jerusalem. It is where they had brought the ark of God. And, it, and so he was coming now to bring the ark of God into Jerusalem. And in coming to Kirjath-Jerim, what they did was made a new cart. And they put the Ark of the Covenant on this new cart, and they got these oxen to pull the cart. And as they were coming with all of this big celebration, the oxen pulling the cart with the Ark of the Covenant upon it, the ox, one of the oxen tripped, and this cart began to shake, and the Ark of the Covenant looked like it was going to fall. And this one fellow reached forth his hand, Uzzah, and he reached out his hand to steady the ark of God so it wouldn't fall. And when he reached out his hand to touch the ark of God, God smote him dead. And this angered David, number one, with God. And it put a fear in David's heart. He said, hey, man, that thing's powerful. Who among us can live around that thing, you know? Seeing the power of God against anyone who would dare to violate the word of God, David really got panicked because he knew that he wasn't doing that close, you know, and who can live around this thing? 
So he, he just had to turn in and he headed back to Jerusalem empty, not taking the Ark of the Covenant. But he just uh, put it in there at the house of uh, Obed-Edom. And uh, it is interesting, though, that as David sought to bring the Ark of the Covenant back, rather than going back to the book of the law to see how God had ordered the Ark of the Covenant to be transported, David was following the Philistine example. When they sent the Ark of the Covenant back, they had built a cart and they took oxen and had it pulled back with a cart pulled by oxen. Now that was the Philistines' method of transporting the ark. However, the law of God said that when they bore the ark, they were to put these staves through the rings and it was to be borne by four priests. So David really wasn't following the law of God in building this new cart and having it pulled by oxen. He was not following God's pattern, but the Philistine pattern. And it had, of course, disastrous results. And so they just put the ark there at the house of Obed-Edom, and God began to bless Obed-Edom like everything because the Ark of the Covenant was there. And for three months, this guy was just blessed of God. And they came and told David, wow, is Obed-Edom ever being blessed because of the Ark of the Covenant? And so David decided, well, all right, I'll go and get it, and I'll bring it on into Jerusalem. So this time, now he went back to the Scriptures to follow the law of the Lord, and they had the priest bear the Ark of the Covenant, and when they would walk six steps, he would make a sacrifice unto the Lord. Then go three, six more steps, and they'd offer another sacrifice unto the Lord. And he was out there. He had on just a linen robe, a common garment, took off his kingly robes and everything and was just dressed in a common garment of a common person out with the crowd dancing with all of his might before the Lord. I mean, he was just having a hilarious time. He was so excited bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem with tremendous excitement and joy, and the people were praising the Lord, offering sacrifices, dancing before the Lord, David in the middle of them, dancing with all of his might and just singing praises unto God as the Ark of the Covenant was coming unto Jerusalem. And his wife, the daughter of Saul, Michelle, looked out the window and saw him doing that, and she hated him in her heart. So David had a big party, gave everybody a big portion of meat, jug of wine, sent them on their way, blessed all of the people. Everybody was thrilled. He was, you know, on cloud nine, just, oh, you know, just so thrilled. And he came in to bless his house, just overflowing. And who should meet him at the door but icicles? <laughs> Michelle. And she said, didn't the king behave himself gloriously today? Uncovering yourself in front of all of those handmaidens, they're going to despise you. Boy, that big cold put down. 
cold blanket. You know, it, it is so hard when you've had such a glorious experience with the Lord and you're just floating. You meet someone and say, well, aren't you just the one, you know? And, and they, and, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, David's not one to be messed with. And he said to her, he gets very caustic with her. He said, it was before the Lord which chose me, cut, 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 before your father <laughs> and before his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play before the Lord. It was before the Lord. I wasn't out there before the people. You know, you, you're making a big show in front of all those people, out there dancing, making a big show, making a big thing of yourself. David said, it was before the Lord who chose me before your father of his house. And I'm going to play before the Lord. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of 2 Samuel on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 2 Samuel 3-6 through when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord cause his word to be established in each of your hearts and lives. And may you grow in grace and in knowledge of him. And may he, with his cords of loving kindness, just draw you unto himself, that you may ever experience a richer, fuller, deeper comprehension of that love that God has for you, his child. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. For years, Pastor Chuck was asked thousands of questions. This new guy that my mom married, he thinks that the Christian beliefs are foolish. And I was wondering if that's going to like affect my mom's walk. I'm a Christian. I'm trying to fight the addiction of smoking. And are those things going to keep me from going in the rapture? Is it okay to use your tithe and give it to someone who's going on a mission trip instead of giving it directly to church? 
The Word for Today is pleased to present an ebook called Biblical Counseling by Chuck Smith, listing over 200 topics that include Pastor Chuck's commentary and the scripture references he used. Topics include addiction, business relationships, depression, lawsuits, sexuality, training children, and so much more. To download the Biblical Counseling ebook by Chuck Smith, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link provided. Or you can call 1-800-272-9673.